Ultra. Welcome back to the Cornetto Minute Daily Podcast, where we crawl our way to the bitter end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Welcome back, Chris O'Connor. Hey! (laughs) Today we are preparing to annihilate Minute 53, which begins with Stephen pointing at all the blinks in the pub and ends with Gary asking how Sam knows about the time he had sex with the twins. Blank, blankety, blank, blank, blank. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Blankety, blankety blank he's a blank she's a blank those two people are definitely blanks we're all uh, blanks yeah they're all blanks yeah. I, and and so the the turn of phrase the blank for them is is born and yet steven doesn't get the credit for <laughs> for uh for naming them blanks because as the week goes on we will show them still in the middle of trial and error of trying to figure out what to call them um and that's basically all that like three of these characters do <laughs> um yeah, yeah in uh yeah. in in this in this pub is just trying to figure out what to call them uh and we still haven't gotten to my favorite one but that'll be i think that's next week yeah uh, yeah which is I'm of course big... smashy smashy Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh i don't think we've celebrated this yet but i'm a big fan of mark heaps uh reoccurring like smile and wave yes oh it's so good <laughs> i i almost wonder if they had him just do a bunch a, a few takes of that like it, like they're just they're, it's genuinely the same the same moment <laughs> yeah that, that like it's the same moment and he's he's doing he just did you know a few takes of a moment like you would do when you're shooting a movie and then in post they were like let's just like splice in a few of those <laughs> uh, I've done I've done that with with things that with things that I've made with friends like home movies and stuff where it just mm-hmm. it's it's funny to us that we use the same take over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what it seems like to me. I don't know. So uh, those two are definitely blanks, and though he is referring to the twins wearing which, blue, yep, wearing blue, which uh, Gary notices that they're the twins, and that Sam is right behind her. Right so behind her. in this instance, yeah, Gary sees Sam first. Yep, in every instance he yep. sees her first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gary saw so, her first. Yeah. He, not, he does. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, we're not. You, you don't. You don't get to call dibs on people. But I'm just saying. No, no. I mean, like, I, I actually, I actually think Sam and uh, Stephen are like a pre have more have way more couple potential than Gary and Sam. But you know, if 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 that is the argument they want to keep having, then technically Gary did see her first. That doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't but, mean anything. But it does not. That is uh, that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Um. I I I like that they are uh they have this like post between them. I also like that he he does like the the the, the shoulder opposite post, shoulder tap. opposite shoulder thing to make her <laughs> oh crumbs. <laughs> I love how you can kind of tell from from Rosman's body language that she you can tell that she hasn't been having a good night. Right. Right. It has kind of, not been fun. Yeah, like yeah. what's going on? Why are they why are they so weird? Have they been talking in unison the whole time? 
I hope so. <laughs> I, I like that later she has she just doesn't realize how weird it is that they yeah. do that. Um, yeah. so she's she, probably done it a bit, and she's just kind of like rolling with it. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe they did this twenty years ago, and I just don't remember. Yeah, got it. Uh, <laughs> really big fan of the glow they keep putting behind Rosamund Pike in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. They put a little halo of light behind her. It's really nice. It's kind of uh it's old fashioned, you know, it's like it's like old timey movie stuff. But uh I, I like it every time when a when a movie does that sometimes of just being like, No, this 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 character is purely good. Like Yeah, <laughs> you know, in, in a so in much a, in so a, let's put a let's put a halo around a well, halo effect around them. And it's pretty handy because in a movie like this where to a certain extent you don't know who to trust, you don't know – you know, the movie wants you to feel a certain extent of paranoia. It right. also is subconsciously telling you, no, you can trust Sam. Right. You can emotionally attach yourself to Sam. And we're subconsciously telling you that by lighting her very warmly. And Sam's not going to betray you. Yeah. Right. And and Gary, meanwhile, is like in shadow. <laughs> 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 um but yeah i do like that they're split by this pillar mm-hmm. you know there is there's a there's something between them um yes. that is that is not letting them uh connect fully in any in any way like intellectually emotionally <laughs> uh, in no way whatsoever she is they are not on the same side right no, now there's yeah. a divide between them is sam the yeah. only character that wears red i think so i think she is yeah, it's such a it's such a it catches the eye, you know, just her, her her awesome kind of like almost burgundy jacket. Yeah, it it uh, makes her stand out for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that he pulls her into the disabled, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the disabled toilets, and she's like, "Oh Jesus, Carrie, take a hint." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's terrible, but it's also funny because we know that he's not he he is actually not meeting that this time. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> it's just from her perspective. It's like Jesus Christ! Oh no, what's happening? And he's and he's God. He's, the way he's just like, unless you do want to have sex with me, in which case I'll tell you afterward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you could throw that out there, it's a good thing to throw out. It's such a great um, single take. Yeah this this disabled uh, this disabled shot um, mm-hmm. with the mirror in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really, uh, subtle use of, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, CGI here, um, because the, oh. basically the back wall and the reflection is CGI. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Cause you should be seeing the camera. <laughs> That's, oh my God. Of course. Movie magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The camera is uh, staring right directly into the mirror, and that's how they got rid of that. Was they just they it. just CGI'd a wall, which is like imagine being like the CG artist that's just like, yeah, can you just like put a f- wall there? <laughs> like it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me. I mean, me. that's like. Well, do you think they do you think they finished this wall, the CGI wall, in like a day? Like this was like just their job that day, and that was it. Like it was yeah. it was over. Oh yeah. It's, like, it's got to be like a school for this. Yeah, it's got to be like one of the easiest things. But then, if you really look at it, it looks like they really put some detail into it because it's like uh, you're 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 seeing like I don't know like different like tones of paint and like lighting and all of this on a on a wall that's not really there. Uh, no, it's, it's the best kind of digital effect because you know you don't, you're not looking for. Ironically, it reminds me a lot of of uh, the scene 
in uh, in David Fincher's Gone Girl, also with Rosamund Pike, where she and Ben Affleck are having that kind of meet cute meandering walk through the alley, and there's all this uh, really beautiful steam coming out from like the windows and under the the floor, and all that steam is is, is computer animated. Oh, and like all the, the, all right, the flower that they're like painting each other with or whatever. I haven't seen Gone Girl in a while, but yeah, David it's, Fincher is like the the king of of. Uh, of uh of uh hidden cgi <laughs> yeah yeah boy fincher keeps coming up a lot in this show weirdly that's true um i mean he's rosamund pike yeah yeah but uh yeah isn't it crazy that david fincher's last movie was gone girl that was so long ago that was, it was his last movie wow all right yeah. yeah he was trying to weirdly make a world war z sequel happen for a few years but then that just fell apart because who was he that? was he trying or was he sure. doing a favor for his friend brad, yeah. brad pitt come on yeah <laughs> zombie movie great yeah <laughs> i mean he like he created two series in that time you know yeah. he did the 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 kevin spacey thing and then the mm-hmm. uh the mind hunter thing mm-hmm. um, cool. but, true true yeah but, well, but welcome obviously obviously he directed all those episodes of cougar town um yeah <laughs> those eight hour 90 day shoots of cougar town yeah <laughs> uh, but uh yeah he hasn't done a feature film since gone girl which is... I think he's getting ready to i think he's he uh, there was a script that was written by his father uh oh right because he's doing that for netflix though isn't he yeah i think so huh. yeah yeah interesting weird. um but created, uh, created the modern state of web television with house of cards yeah um, okay. What are what are what are our uh, what are our opinions on twins, everyone? Well, I know what Edgar Wright's opinions are on twins. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really, you know, uh, it's not something that I think of much. Uh, <laughs> twins. It's like, oh, that's cool. Twins. You know, great. Yeah. Most of the time, they're not identical, but when they are identical, it's like, oh, that's nifty. You could do so many fun things, like parent traps and. Uh, mm-hmm. Other like movies from my childhood. Cool. Yeah. You know, I read, uh, I read Tegan and Sarah's memoir this past autumn, uh, high school. And it, you know, they, they, they switch back and forth between like, this is a Tegan chapter and this is a Sarah chapter. Hmm. And I've always just been so, I don't know if envious is the right word, but just so fascinated by just the intensity of, that relationship that those siblings can have where, you know, it, 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 it can get kind of written off as, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do, I do believe in when, when twins say that they do feel like a, a, a palpable like connection between each other mm. and that kind of, that, that's always fascinated me. I, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely not creeped out or frightened of twins the way that it appears no. Edgar Wright is. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't I, get that. I'm creeped out by the idea of twins being identical and talking in unison. But that how often does how way. often does that happen? <laughs> I mean that no, that's just creepy behavior and, and like it's sort of like an added element to a creepy thing. But you know, it'd be creepy if like two little blonde children come up to you and talk in unison, even if they're not identical. Right, as that's as true. Like, well, children that, speaking in unison is not good. That's creepy. No, no. No. Stephen Stephen King wrote your life from that point on. Right. That's a hundred percent not chill. <laughs> and the the so, Nancy I mean, Myers Parent Trap, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> I suppose, you know, if twins were speaking in unison at me, then I would be like, oh, this is creepy. Twins are creepy. But generally, eh, I don't care. Twins are twins. No, to me, yeah. it's creepier if two people who aren't, who weren't 
born from the same womb and almost the exact same time could speak word for it. Well, if anybody could, it's you, it's you two. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess this could be normal. Maybe that's why she's so accepting of it. And she's like, yeah, sure. Maybe they she's always like, did. Yeah, what do I know about twins? Maybe this is normal. Weirdly, there's a couple of twins in uh, Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Okay. Yeah. Did did President Snow have a have a twin that he like fought and, and killed in the womb? <laughs> a really yeah. really nice one. Quinnus, <laughs> <laughs> why are you so unkind? <laughs> even he even he even sounded he even sounded that way when he was a kid. <laughs> of course. Hello. Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> oh man. Oh, <laughs> Uh, Chris, what are your what are your overall thoughts on the world's end? My overall thoughts on the world's end. I thought we would save this for Friday, but yeah, uh, my overall thoughts on the world's end uh, are: it is a good movie. It's well made. I enjoy it. Um, yeah. Out of the uh, out of obviously, <laughs> although I should at some point get onto a podcast for a movie I hate. That'd be fun. Um, but no, the, the world's end. Like it's it's good, but it's. Out of the three uh, Cornetto uh, trilogy movies, it is my least favorite of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, and 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 that's like you know, there's a lot here. There's a lot going on. I th- I, I imagine you know it, it is going to reward uh, further watches, like you know rewatching, and and the characters are sort of fun. But ultimately, like when I get down to the end, like when I left the theater the first time I saw this, I just felt bad. Uh, mm-hmm. it was like when, when Shaun of the dead ends, it's like, oh, there was this terrible thing that happened around the world and there were zombies and, you know, a lot of people died and Sean lost his friend, but sort of has his friend, but he's doing something stupid, keeping his not friend, whatever. But, but you know, that their situation, it's like, that wasn't Sean's fault. Uh, you mm-hmm. get to, uh, hot fuzz and, uh, you know, they, they, the end is good. Like they're the heroes. They save the day. They do all the right things and they have the most heroic ending out of all, uh, three of these films. And, and, you know, there's, I felt so good after that. I was like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And then after this one, um, I just like, I, I get that they go on their journey and he grows and he's got something to live for, but you know, it's sort of like a, a throwaway bit at the end where, uh, uh, you know, Andy's talking around the campfire, being like, I guess a lot of people died, but for some reason I could not, um, <laughs> I couldn't shrug that off. Right. Like, yeah. Like, well, the apocalypse happened. Like, and, and it's kind of your fault. Like, it, it, like I, I get that, you know, this alien presence was, was, uh, had it out for earth and maybe it would have ended up this way anyway. Mm-hmm. But this idea that these guys like on their midlife crisis, like on a drunken bender, uh, are the ones who interact with the intergalactic threat and ultimately screw it up and kill 99% of the <laughs> earth's population, which is exactly how much would die. Um, right bothered me like i couldn't i didn't feel good about their journey i didn't feel good about where they ended up like it it kind of pissed me off actually yeah, yeah. you know that hearing uh listening to you reminds me a lot of uh when me and my my friend went to go see a cabin in the woods mm. uh, for the yeah. first uh, and and we were, we were having that that post movie walk you know when we were walking back to our yeah. dorms and my friend was like palpably angry because he, yeah. he was just like i don't 
like 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 fuck those two like <laughs> that wasn't their call like fuck them no like they're so high and mighty you know like they get yeah. to decide you know, blah 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 and I think it's just, it's just an interesting swing for a movie to make which just to kind of leave you not you know because like Hot Fuzz like you said is such a fist pump album closer yeah right? yeah. yeah. Yeah, to me, I you know I think I think this movie and Cabin in the Woods actually have a lot in common. They um, do in, mm-hmm. in terms a, of a good connection. Yeah, in terms of like where it leaves the audience and kind of like what the point of it is, and the fact that it's dealing so much in allegory that yeah. that either works for people or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and and I think for me, I, I allegory really works for me, especially when it's when it's really done well. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that. This is, you know, versus something like Zootopia, where it's like baffling, um, where, where it's like, look, we did a really good job, right? And you're like, well, here's what you're yeah. saying about people of other races. Yeah. Predators oh. are reverting to their natural state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like I can I can watch Zootopia and just take it at a surface level. But if you if you try and uh, my, kid, my son calls it the Fox movie. Yeah, yeah, nice. right. If you but if you look too hard at the allegory of it, it's it's really troubling. Whereas for me, the allegories in Cabin in the Woods and here, um, yeah. I I think I think really work for me. And the endings uh, accentuate that allegory in a way that I find very rewarding so, and satisfying. Yeah, I'm uh, glad you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought Cabin in the Woods up, and like that is an interesting connection, and it's one that I hadn't made before. But the thing. I also enjoy Cabin in the Woods. I think it's a really good movie. I think maybe objectively it isn't as well made as this one, but at the same time, while I I did come away from Cabin in the Woods also kind of mad at them, Mm -hmm. there was this sense that they were in a situation where like, I can understand like their, what their choice and what happened. Yeah. Like why? why? I have Mm -hmm. much more sympathy for them, like being out in the woods with their friends and being stalked and murdered and sacrificed to prevent like the ancient giant hand God from smashing earth Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. I, than I do for Andy and his friends. Yeah. For being like, no. So what do you, what do you think is the difference? (sighs) Uh, I mean, so like Andy, Andy, Andy and his and his buddies, like mm-hmm. uh, Gary, Gary, uh, Gary, and 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 friend and company mm-hmm. are here, and they're so they're they're in this situation. They're they're diving into it, and and the situation, like as far as I can tell, like just being in the town, like if they hadn't discovered the blanks, would the blanks have killed? You know, ultimately on a long yeah. enough timeline, they would get them. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if 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 Gary hadn't started a you know gotten into a fight in the in the bathroom and like knocked off a kid's head, uh, <laughs> which would have killed a human, um, right. you know, uh, uh, if that hadn't happened, I think the town would have just let them go. Right. I don't, it, I don't think it had any interest in them. It's the agency because uh, like what's so what's so frustrating about or unfair about the kids in Cabin in the Woods yeah. is they had their agency taken away from them. Yes, like, sure. Hemsworth and the blonde actress that makes out with the wolf or no, she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. She, they were intelligent three dimensional people that were drugged and dumbed down to make yeah. them easier to slaughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They didn't drink tons and tons of alcohol to <laughs> destroy the world because they wanted to do what they wanted to do mm-hmm. to be free to do what they want to do. <laughs> what do you want to do? 
Yeah. Which amusingly, I watched this the other night with uh, with my wife, and afterwards, she's like, "Okay, now you have to watch the Notebook with me." And I'm like, uh, "All right, I'll finally watch the Notebook." And at some point in there, like uh, the 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 female Rachel McAdams, uh, Allie, like they're like, "What do you want to do?" And I just couldn't stop myself. And I'm like, "Well, she obviously <laughs> wants to do what she wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> she wants to have a good time. <laughs> she's gonna have a party." <laughs> yeah, and, and it kind of feels like these guys end up destroying the world because they couldn't, you know, help themselves. Yeah. Well, but but you know, the the blanks are literally killing people, regardless of what they say they're doing. They are, they are. turning people into Absolutely. mulch and replacing yeah. them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm not saying that the network is a good thing. I'm saying that that if the network had perhaps can you know continued on its evil uh, plan. Perhaps, perhaps non-drunken, non-idiots would have possibly come up with a way to deal with this. Or even if we ended up like uh, in a situation where the network takes over, or even it ultimately, if the network like gives up and decides to destroy the world, it could be a situation where it decides to destroy the world after more of the world had a say in what happened to it. Right, like an Independence Day type situation or well, like Hungry yeah. where, the, where the populace gets to rise up and fight well, off this. Okay, okay but but yeah, I think you're 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 assuming a few things. One, you're assuming that people were killed in the apocalypse and I don't think they were. I think they were already dead. I think that what what, what happened yeah, I think they were already turned into blanks. And, oh, so you think they're and, already and then, like the, yeah, the network, when the network left? All it did was reveal how many people uh, were blanks now. Okay, uh, okay. So you and Chris no, have very not, different. No. What? Yeah, you. I. I mean, yeah. That's that's not how. Basically, it's a, it, it did a th- it did a thing that I got out of. Um, there's an old like documentary series called Connections, uh, mm-hmm. where the first episode is all about like the modern world that we live in and our reliance on technology. And it, like, mm-hmm. there's a whole big story about the power outage in New York City and what happens to you. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're stuck in a situation where the power doesn't work anymore, how do you survive? Where do you go? Right. What do you do? And at the end of the the situation, like the blanks, like turning off. Okay, you know, the, the there's like that town is like all robots. And maybe it didn't kill everybody, but turning off our technology ultimately literally does kill 90 plus percent of the human population on Earth. It is a murderous, awful, world ending, bad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like there's no getting out of that. Like when, yeah. when, when he's talking at the campfire, be like, I guess a lot of people died. It's like, no, dude, like every major city on Earth, like 99 out of 100 people is dead. Right. Totally. But why? And- why 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 is that the assumption if none all right so if all of your technology stops working if all the cars stop working if all the the uh, the major machinery that works agriculture stops working mm-hmm. if all the sort of like not getting into the more detailed things of uh you know like internal comp- uh if your food chain breaks down i mean mm-hmm. think about los angeles if your mm-hmm. water system breaks down you know if you with if you don't have power a lot of cities in the world are not fed by gravity, uh, mm. you know, gravity run uh, water systems. People in major population centers are going to run out of water and they're going to run out of food and they're going to die. And mm. they're just going to die. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Having- there's, there's a really great like novel. Ser- well, there's a very fun, pulpy sort of speculative fiction series by a guy named uh, uh, S.M. Sterling. It's called like the change novels. And the first one is Dies the Fire. And like in 1998, basically gods, 
decide mm-hmm. that humanity doesn't need internal combustion. It doesn't need electronics. It doesn't need electricity. It doesn't need anything more advanced than, uh, well, not even gunpowder. Gunpowder doesn't work. Everything it's, stops and you go back to the dark ages. fire. Yeah. And that's what you go back to. And it's like a really, his characters are pretty flat, but it's a, it's a fun, interesting read. And he's like very good at the world building and going into exploring those ideas that I talked about in connections that James Burke, like, you know, the science historian talks mm. about much more clearly and realistically where this is what's going to happen to this major population center when your foods, your, your food chain breaks down. Hmm. Um, and, and, and apart from, you know, the food chain breaking down, if the people do get away, if you get out of the city and you make it out into the country, okay, you made it to a farm. Okay. Now what? Are you able to farm? No, because everything at the farm is like a major electronic combine. You've got right. uh, tractors. You've got all this stuff. You've got to find like a little itty bitty like village in the middle of nowhere that never bothered to modernize, which most of them have modernized because, of course, you modernize. You make so much more food that way. Yeah. And it, it's, it's you can't just, just throw all that shit out and just start over. You cannot. No, no. The, the pop. Think about the the. So the way that we used to to make food for for people, um, like the population explosion in the 20th century, is because of modern agriculture. Because it used to take, uh, like back in the Dark Ages, back in the Middle Ages, um, when you you know you had this land, most of your people had to spend time making food to feed themselves and a couple of other people that could be more specialized. Yes. Um, and then as technology advanced, as our agriculture advanced, and we got to a place where fewer and fewer people got involved in the making of food, like, you know, you look at like a modern farm in the United States, you've got like 12 people uh, doing the job that used to be done by three or 400 people. And yes. they're able to provide food to thousands of people. But mm-hmm. if all of their tools break, which all of their tools are electronics and internal combustion engines, if all that breaks, uh, their the food that they're supplying to the city of New York City, to the city of Los Angeles, to the city of Portland, and not even to the major cities, but also like most small towns, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody uh, in in the modern world is farming in a way where if you were to snap a button and turn off modern technology, they'd be able to feed themselves. Right. Like so many, like, so we've, hmm. we've just by no fault, just because of how we've evolved and have to accommodate the populace and the state of most of the, the just, just, just the way that we live. Yeah. Very few of us are living like, that like pre industrial right. revolution world of like, oh, this is how we yeah. feed our family. This is how we yes. feed our clan or village. Like when I saw this movie, I'd already read several of those books. I saw the connection stuff when I was a kid. And this is just something that I have thought about before. And yeah. so when, when he's doing his little story at the end, I, it wasn't cute to me. I didn't enjoy it. It, mm. it really, it viscerally bothered me. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's interesting. I think that your view though is, is like entirely based around being a little more of a pessimist than I am. I'm much more of an <laughs> optimist. Um, and so I just don't, I just don't view that ending that way. And it never even occurred to me that that was what they were well, also- even saying. Also, it um, seems to me, like here listening to both of you, it seems that Scott was under the impression that there were a lot more Newton Havens in yeah. the world already. Yeah, yeah, I think the world is littered with Newton Havens. Um, I never, where, I never got that impression. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally says it uh, in the in the uh, in in that last scene with uh, with Bill Nye's mm. voice 
the network says they're, they're like how many newton's havens are there and he's like yeah there's a few and you see like a globe and there's like a bunch of dots on it all over the place um, all right well yeah how much of seven billion is that i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> you got like it's like uh, uh what, what, what is that well I mean, that, that, that's the leftovers right is like one mm-hmm. percent of the world population disappears yeah. and you're yeah. like oh well, that wouldn't be too bad and you're like oh yes it would <laughs> yes it would <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be interesting. I mean, we'll definitely keep this in mind when we get to that stuff later on. But yeah, mm. it, it just, it never, that never really occurred to me. I mean, obviously, I, I think that it's meant to be hard. Um, but I, again, that goes toward the allegory of, of uh, b- becoming sober, which is what this mm. whole movie is about, is about what it takes to be sober. Um, yeah, but, sobriety yeah. design demands ninety nine percent of people die. <laughs> well, well, sobriety, sobriety uh, <laughs> makes it so that you you all, all you want to do is is fix the things that you broke when you were uh, when you were uh, an alcoholic, and you can't. Yeah. All you can do is move forward. That's all you can do. That's all anyone yeah. can do when they go yeah. sober. And that's what the movie's about. Um, and that's what the ending <laughs> to me is about. But uh, I guess if you look at it from a a, a very like technical uh standpoint um a you know i guess i guess you can see issues with that but yeah, I, I definitely um, yeah. See, it, it is interesting how it is kind of the the opposite of you know like like going back like hot fuzz is such a fist pump yeah ending yeah. but like i don't know how you walk out of world's end feeling like oh, oh good. yeah there's Hell no yeah. good feeling <laughs> i did, hot, I, I hot did every single that. time i love the oh, ending boy. of this movie so hot um, fuzz was like a solid fist pump like their agency they went all the way and then but like Shaun of the dead was less so but it was still like you survived you survived a thing that wasn't your fault see my friend my, my other friend that i saw Shaun of the dead with when i showed him Shaun of the dead you know i was like oh, i have to show everyone this dvd i just <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the like one that, the, the one that had been a uh yeah uh, and I was like, he 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 didn't like the ending of Shaun of the Dead because he was like, no, it's that's not fun for me because Ed's mm. Ed can't enjoy his video games anymore because he's a zombie. Yeah. Ed's not Ed, yeah. and like Sean's like just living with this reanimated corpse of his best friend in his shed. Like that's not <laughs> right. fun for me. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, Shaun of the I, Dead. The ending of Shaun of the Dead is way more challenging for me than this. The ending of this movie. Um, okay. Yeah, that that's the one where I just kind of end with like a kind of a slight smile on my face, like oh, like okay, all right, I see what they did there. Uh, I wouldn't want to live with that like that, but all right, yeah. fair enough. Um, I mean, I, I hot I fuzz ends way. with me like fist pumping, and mm. and this this uh, this movie ends with me having an immense feeling of satisfaction. Like with Shaun of the Dead, the world is recovering. Which yeah. like, oh wow, that zombie thing was crazy, and, but we beat it. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. Norm and but so you can kind of be like okay well at least we the world but world's end kind of takes that away from you where like and, no we're we're fucked and yeah. as much as and as much as there's sort of like a sadness of like Sean and Ed like you know like Ed's not Ed's dead and Sean is sort of like not letting go of his dead friend like but <laughs> and you can kind of feel bad about that but it's like the world is recovering and also it's not like none of this is Sean's fault. Right, right. right. Sean, yeah. Sean didn't talk to the zombie king and be like, <laughs> fuck you, turn everybody into zombies. I don't care. I still have my individualism. I'm still me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm all that matters. Uh, hero of the wasteland. <laughs> this has been a really interesting discussion. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're a good 50 something episodes away from the end. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad this happened. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, 
in the meantime, if you want to check out the other Dueling Genre podcasts, you can. Uh, Chris, you have a couple of those. I do! Yeah, <laughs> there's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun with that. We've done the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live-action movies from the 90s, one minute at a time, which I don't know why I'm bothering to explain the format. You listen to this show because so you know the format. You've oh, had some crazy guests. Off. We have had some crazy guests. We've gotten, yeah. to, we've gotten to talk to uh, Steve Barron, the director of uh, the original TMNT 1990. We've talked to uh, John Dupre, composer for all the films. We've talked to Partners in Crime. Uh, the, uh, he, he did the, the uh, end credit song on the first one. We've talked to a number of the uh, voice actors and puppeteers who were involved in bringing the Ford Turtles to life. Uh, we talked to Francois Chow, who was Shredder on the second one, and you'll recognize recognize him as one of those, you know, that guys as a character mm-hmm. actor in so many things. Uh, right now, I think he might, well, he might be done with uh, The Expanse, but, you know, he's a cool guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we've, we've had a number of uh, good guests on there, and we expect to have a number uh, more of them. And uh, we're going to get started real soon here on uh, recording Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, the one, we've been, the one we've been putting off the most. You boy. What was the kid's name? Yoshi. Yoshi. Yeah. 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 I used to rent that uh, one. <laughs> at least Casey's back. That's something. Yeah. 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 Elias Coty is. That's, that's we'll something. See if, we'll see if we can get him to talk to us. <laughs> Is it is it much? I don't know, but it's something. As it's kid, not much. As it's kid, not I much. I remember just the um, the the novelty of the turtles in feudal Japan was enough yeah. to rent that from Blockbuster a couple. Yes, times. Yes, of course. I, I rented it a couple of times, but nowhere near as often as we rented the second one. Yeah, oh, yeah. I owned the second one. I watched the the second one a lot. It the, the, the third. The third Ninja Turtle movie reminds me of a Three Ninjas movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's that tone. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of, of, of like a Three Ninjas movie. Just it just is... and not even the first one. Like one of the sequels. <laughs> Would Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Colon High Noon at Mega Mountain be the longest film title ever? <sighs> <laughs> what? That's one of, that's one of the Three Ninjas movies. <laughs> wow. High yeah. Noon Mega Mountain. Yeah, with uh, with Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> How many did they do? There, there was three, right? I think so. Yeah. You guys should do as a hiatus special. You guys should do Surf Ninjas. Surf Ninjas is a good one, and we would, yeah, Kino, that'd be good. Yeah, exactly, Sorry, exactly. That's, we, uh, we've reached. Oh, I'd love to get him on there. That'd be great. Yeah. Great martial arts. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's uh, and you can get TMNT Minute at, uh, at DuelingGenre.com. So uh, do that. that and check out all the other podcasts that we have over there. Uh, but we will be back tomorrow with Minute 54. But for now, Woo-hoo. let's poop it.